And what they came up with is that managers are responsible for 70% of the variance in employee engagement. You know, so it, so we see if, the, if that's the biggest reason why they stay in a job and the biggest reason why they quit a job, you can see how important the manager is to their reports. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. So my guest on today's episode of the Inspire Podcast is Laura Sukorokoff, and great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really pleased to be here. You know, you've had some fantastic speakers on this podcast, and I feel just so honored to be amongst that group. It's it's quite amazing for me. Well, it's my it's my pleasure to have you and. Uh, you you come by it with good credentials. Not only, of course, are you a consultant with the Humphrey Group, mm-hmm. but you're a, a published author. You're a consultant who teaches what what employees actually want from you as a manager. Is that a fair way to describe your your area of passion? Yes, absolutely. You know, I find so many managers are put into that role where they're leading people but they're not given any training and they don't know how to do it. They may be really fantastic at reading reports or dealing with tasks, but they're not so confident when it comes with, you know, connecting with and and speaking to their reports. So that's what I do. I work on that soft skills area, helping them to develop those people skills that they really do need when managing a team. And I think that's so important. I mean, we've all heard the, saying, um, and it's backed, I think, by, you know, data on exit interviews, people don't leave companies, they don't leave jobs, they leave people. <laughs> and conversely, that's, right. that's who you stay for. You don't, you know, whatever the job or company you're in, it's really the relationship that you have with the people who you work with and for that matter. Mm-hmm. And, and so with, with that, it, it's so surprising, as you said, that most people aren't better equipped to understand what it takes to forge that connection. So you, you've written a whole book on this topic, haven't you? Yes, I, I have. It's it's interesting. This book came as a result of a number of conversations, like a lot of conversations that I've had with people over the recent years, uh, you know, coming to me and saying, hey, I got a new job. And I would reply, oh, well, good for you. Congratulations. What happened with the old one? <laughs> and, you know, and I don't know, you, you may have experienced this yourself. I know I'm one of those people that people talk to. And I would often get phone calls saying, hi, Laura, I wonder if we could talk. Can we have a coffee? And I always knew with that certain tone of voice or what have you, that what they wanted to talk about was either why they're quitting or should they quit. And after a while, this really started to weigh on me. I I began to wonder, you know, what is going on? Because every single time I talk to people, it was something that their manager had done or a, a, a you know sort of a culmination of many things their manager had done which were ultimately driving them out the door and so as this started to settle on me 
I started to think, somebody's got to do something. Like, why isn't anybody doing something about this? And then I realized, okay, you know what? I'm somebody, you know, and I mean, I don't mean I'm like a somebody, you know, super famous person. I mean, I'm somebody. And if I feel so passionately that something must be done, then perhaps what I can do is lend my voice to this and, you know, try to make an impact. And so that's how it all started. And as it unfolded, as it became known that I was working on a book on this topic, I had many people reach out to me and say, hey, Laura, have I got a story for you? <laughs> wow. And so to me, this became like a, a wow moment. You know, right. there are so many people that have stories about right. their bosses and what they've done to them. I would yeah. say a few people came to me mm-hmm. with saying, I have a great boss hmm. now, but hmm. my previous boss. But most people came to me saying, I really, really hate my boss. Wow. And I thought, geez, Louise, this is something that I know we can fix. If the managers are responsible for employee engagement, if they because mm-hmm. they seem to be the key driver in it, well, this is something we can fix. So I started to peel back the layers and realized that managers so often are put into that role without having the proper support, without really knowing how to lead people. So that's where I focused my work. And I did a lot of digging into this, a lot of research, and Gallup Organization has done some amazing work in this area. And what they came up with is that managers are responsible for 70% of the variance in employee engagement. So you said it just at the top of this uh, discussion that people stay in their jobs because of their managers too. Mm-hmm. It's you true. Know, so it, so we see if, if that's the biggest reason why they stay in a job and the biggest reason why they quit a job, you can see how important the manager is to their reports. I know for you, there were a couple of big lessons that um, you, you shared with me when we prepped for this. And, and you said that they kind of are surprises to managers. So maybe just give me the big, the big piece of what they all add up to, and then we can dive into these lessons that you, uh, you drew from your research. The first key learning for me, the, the really big thing that I believe managers underestimate is that their people really want a relationship with them. And by that, I don't mean they want to be best pals and hang out every Friday, you know, after work. Although you may find that that's the case. But most of the time, what they're really looking for is for their manager to get to know them, to understand them, what drives them, what motivates them, what gets them excited about their work, what makes them want to come to work every day. And then on the flip side of that, what they dislike or what they're scared of or what they don't know. And when they have this sort of relationship this where they feel uh, able to speak to their manager and where they can share what is going on with their work and with their lives. Because as we know, and we've learned this through this pandemic, we know that people's lives, their home lives, directly impact their work lives. 
you know, of course, this has been concentrated for us right now, but we, this has always been the case. We do not check our personal lives at the door. Those things come with us. So if we can have the sort of relationship where we can talk to our bosses and feel safe saying, this is what is affecting my work. That makes a giant impact. I mean, this this is a, this first epiphany that your your employees want a relationship with you. Um, is this something that you think would surprise most managers, or that they would inherently push back against? Well, yes, it, managers do inherently. They push back on it for sure. In fact, there are two things that I get like the two most frequent objections I get from managers when I am speaking about this stuff, when I'm doing my training around the content in my book, the first thing they say to me is I don't have time. Hmm. I don't have time for Hmm. conversations. So, you know, the best way to build the relationship with people is to have regular, frequent, consistent one-on-one conversations that allow for some back and forth, that gives some time for the report to say what's on their minds, that gives some time for the managers to say what's on their minds and what's happening, and maybe, you know, a little bit about how can we help you develop professionally. So they want these conversations, and managers say they don't have the time for them. Mm. Now, I get it. You know, I do get it. People are really busy, and right now, people are often you know, reeling from thing to thing, just trying to keep it together, mm-hmm. you know, never mind mm-hmm. have like a super well-functioning team, but in some cases they're just kind of holding on. And I get that. I really do. But my response is that firstly, the time that you invest up front in developing these relationships, you recoup later when people are when you've got that communication flow going, when people are aware of what they need to do, when they're in full productivity, you gain that time back. But also, when you have this sort of relationship, you're finding out when people feel like they can talk to you, you are finding out when things are going off the rails. You're finding out in a timely fashion, what's really working well and what could use a little bit of a support, a little boost from you. So it's worth investing the time. The second thing they push back on right after time is, well, I don't know what to say. And right, I know, like, it's so interesting to me because I think that's the real objection. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to start a conversation. So in my book, I actually do provide, with each chapter, I provide some conversation starters, some questions to ask. I've got a template that I offer. People can go on my website and download that for free, you know, to help the conversation get started. If you know how to launch into the conversation, people will talk. It may take a little while for them to open up, but they'll talk. And they want that relationship. And if you, as a manager display that you sincerely want that kind of relationship as well, they will respond. Your insight from people that they're too busy. You're too busy not to. <laughs> you know, this is the priority to have this relationship. And if you know how to start it, it will go well. Uh, it, it's, it's a huge true. takeaway. I mean you have that sort of relationship with your team. And yeah, I feel very fortunate, but it takes, it, it takes time, you know, I um you know, I have bi-weekly meetings and I say to them, you bring the agenda. You know, I'll, of course, have things to talk about. And sometimes we're just 
you know, we run out of things to talk about. Sometimes we're there, but that's really key. And um, it's helped, you know, it's helped when it normalizes interaction for me so that when you're in pressure or in stress, you're not just coming to them in those situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're also in a time of pressure and stress. They are not coming to you um, with hat in hand, afraid to admit what happened, or they're not trying to cover up stuff, hoping that they can fix it before it gets to a crisis situation. And we know in business, things do get into crisis mode, but also we know how stressful that is. So can you imagine what they are carrying with them if they feel hesitant to talk to you, their manager? So that leads to the second thing you found and learned uh, about what you as a manager, you know, if you want to have this relationship, should um, should be delving into. T- talk a bit more about that second uh, point. Mm-hmm. Well, your people really want you to know what drives them, to know what under what sorry to understand what makes them tick, to help them get in the flow, or to know what you can do to challenge them and and kind of push them so that they can excel. You know, people, I firmly believe this, most people do not go into a job wanting to suck at it. Right. Most people don't go into a I'm job even job wanting to be... because I aspire to failure. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, how many, how many times do you ever hear that? No, yeah, gee, I no. hope I suck. I mean, people don't want to be that. They want to be good at what they do. They want to be recognized for being good at what they do. And so they want you to know what they're good at. They want you to know what challenges them, what drives them, what excites them. And on the flip side of that, they also want to know where they're falling down a little bit so they have the opportunity to pick it up. People want feedback. So many managers are really hesitant to have those conversations, those you need to improve at this conversation. Yet it's critical to the success of the team. It's critical to the success of the company. And your people actually do want to hear it. So if we link that back to the first key point, which is having the relationship, you know, if you have that back and forth relationship, that flow of communication, then it will be much easier for you to say, hey, this isn't working so well. What can we do to get this on track? Or what can yeah. we do to bring this up to speed? Just, I'm sure this came up when you talked to people. But the conflict between those, those points where you, wanted, you want to tell people feedback. You want to tell them they're not performing, you're not meeting your expectations. But you're concerned about the relationship. How do you reconcile those two imperatives? Well, okay. The first thing is to have the relationship ahead of time have that open and honest, you know, sort of transparent communication process so that you can enter into these discussions. The second thing is to really, again, understand that people want to know when they're not doing so well. So this is not to say that you go into this conversation and say, hey, Bart, I just want you to know you are terrible at this and you're never allowed to do it again. Okay, I mean, that doesn't help anybody. But to say, you know, Bart, I'd like to talk with you about this. You know, I've noticed that you've been struggling with it. And let's talk about it. Tell me, how are you feeling about this? 
And if you have that relationship up front, you know, Bart, you, if I had that relationship with you, you would feel comfortable saying to me, hey, Laura, yeah, I've really struggled with this. Because people, most of the time, if not all the time, they know when they're struggling. They know when they're not doing so well. Um, Sometimes it does come a little bit out of left field. But I think most of those times when things come out of left field, it's because you haven't been having the conversations all along. And, you know, we hear of this all the time when people go into performance appraisals. For one thing, they're scared of having their annual performance. Because they never get the feedback any other time. So suddenly it's like this annual event. (laughs) Exactly. And it's, it is a big, scary thing. And they're waiting. They're literally waiting for something bad to drop on them. And then when it does drop on them, if they haven't had those conversations with you all along, this is a surprise. And I also think, Bart, that is not fair. It is not fair to take somebody and put them into an annual performance appraisal and only at that time tell them that they've been inadequate all year long, they've never done this properly, and for that reason, they're not getting a raise. So this all links together, managers, I should say. They feel that they don't have the time to have the relationship. If they try and have a relationship, they're uncomfortable starting one. They don't build the trust, and then the feedback process is a failure. Exactly. And I know this was your third conclusion that your your people actually do want you to trust them. Can you expand on that and, and what mm-hmm. you want to Trust is a huge factor. I mean, these are humans that we're talking about. And you as a manager, you're a human as well. Okay. So it's humans dealing with humans. And trust is a very important thing amongst humans. We have to work together. Um, hiring managers hire people for a certain set of knowledge, skills, abilities. And they expect that these knowledge, skills, talents, abilities will be put to work for the team. So, and the person hired expects this the same. So I've heard I've heard managers say say things like, you know, I, you know, my, my trust has to be earned. Or I've heard other say, you know, I start with trust until you until you lose it. You know, like sends you know, kind of I don't know, call these cliches, but I'd love your thoughts on those and the message that they send, effective or not. Well, firstly, uh, I have often heard that same phrase. You know, trust is something that you earn. Abs- and it is, you know. And I believe though that that comes from a lot of experiences of not being able to trust people, hmm. and so I I tend to think, what about being innocent until proven guilty, right? <laughs> like if you, <laughs> you know, if you come into right. um, into a job or if you start working with a certain team or what have you, and you say, yep, I'm going to dig in and do my best at this, then why would somebody be looking at you and expecting you to do your worst? And when somebody expects you to screw up or when they expect you to not do a great job, over time, you might start living up to that expectation. Right. And, and so, so the trust factor, yeah, yeah. If it. you want people to rise to it, if you want people to do great work, then as a manager, one of the very best things you can do is, is expect them to do great work. I believe in you. I know you can do it. And 
I'm here to help you. I'm here to support you. So if they know you trust them and believe in them, most people will absolutely rise to that occasion. But they also want to know that you're there with them. They want to trust you to support them, to help them, to be the foundation they need to do that great work. And they want you to celebrate with them. And then, of course, you know, linking back to the second thing, if things aren't going so well, they love to hear where it's going off the rails so they have the chance to fix it and carry on doing great work. People want the relationship with you. They want you to know what drives them and they want you to trust them. What does this all add up to in terms of um, what managers should take away? You know, throughout the conversations that I had with people as I was listening to them tell their stories, in some cases I was literally in tears, you know, because people have such an emotional connection to their work. And, uh, you know, I would listen to what they had to say and I would think to myself, you know, you really just, you got no respect. (laughs) in that work. And for me, it's funny, that word kept floating up from these conversations as I was speaking to people. And I thought, that's what this all comes down to. Respect. So I do have seven leadership traits that I put forward in in the book. And those are relationship, empathy, support, promotion, empowerment, consideration, and trust. And I expand on each of those areas. But if you take that first letter from oh, each of those look seven at that. traits. It's, for it's respect. Yeah. yeah. So I, I created an acronym. <laughs> <Very memorable. laughs> but I have to tell you, I, I did kind of work <laughs> backward. You know, right. I that word respect weighed so heavily throughout this. So so let's deep dive into a couple of them here. And then maybe give me some examples of how people can put them into practice. Uh, so let's start with empathy. I mean, this is a word that is big this year. Everyone's going through challenging year, no matter what your circumstances, the pandemic has affected you. And we've heard that managers need to show more empathy than before. How do you do it? We all know what empathy is. It's about putting ourselves in the shoes of others. It's about really understanding at an emotional level what is happening with them. It's not necessarily about agreeing with everything that they say, but it is about having that um, connection, that ability to comprehend what's going on in their lives. And I find this often can be lacking or severely compromised when we're super busy. You know, we've got so many tasks and deadlines. Managers are bombarded with things from upper leadership, and they have to sort through this and figure out how to get it all done. And they could be going to their people and kind of hammering on things, and their people are left with trying to figure it all out. And I have heard this so many times in talking to people where they say things like, my company just doesn't get it. My manager just doesn't get it. They don't want to talk to me. They don't want to know anything about me. All they want is for me to sit at my desk and do my work. I've heard stories of people who wanted to attend a lunch and learn, but were told by their bosses that, no, we don't take lunch in this department. You sit at your desk and you do your work until it's time to go home. 
And I think about things like that indicate a complete detachment from people as people. They're just then viewed as, you know, a, a tool, uh, a system, uh, something that just carries out the work. But they're not. They're people. Okay. So empathy, you know, caring for the person as a person. And I'm going to go back to, you know, helping people who work for you. Talk to me a bit about promotion and what that looks like and how you can do it effectively. When we talk about promotion, as managers, we're most geared towards giving people promotions, giving them a higher title or moving them into new jobs or what have you. But that's not necessarily what I'm talking about here. Um, Although it could be, for sure, because of course people want to move up the ladder, you know, after they've spent some time in a job. So for sure, that's part of it. But promotion is about advocating for them. You know, if there's something, if there's a great project that's going on within the company and you think your team member might be a real asset on that project team, putting them forward and saying, I've got just the perfect person wow, wouldn't that be nice as an employee? Wouldn't it be nice to think my manager was in that meeting and thought about me for that? Instead of just holding on to them for your own kind of projects and processes. (laughs) You know, it's hugely motivating to have that sense of progression of moving forward. So promotion is about that. You know, how can you help them move forward? How can you help them grow and develop? How can you push forward their ideas? When they have a great one, you know, oh, that's one that just drives me crazy is when managers steal ideas. You know, give them, give credit where credit's due and promote it. If they do something that's worth celebrating, celebrate it. So really be an advocate for them, for their development, for their achievements, and they'll pay it back with the work that they do for you in the now. A hundred percent in spades, you bet. Okay. And the last one I want to tie into, which I think ties to while they're still working for you, is empowerment. Tell me what that looks like and how to do it. Oh, empowerment. Oh, this is when, you know, we've all heard of micromanagers. Yes, and and we all loathe them. (laughs) Oh, everybody hates a micromanager. Does anyone actually like a micromanager? That's a question I'm wondering. (laughs) That is something that I think ties in closely with trust. You know, empowerment is about believing your people can do it and then letting them do it. So empowering them to carry out the work, empowering them to make the decisions, empowering them to do what they think is best. You know, of course, with empowerment, there have to be guidelines. There perhaps there need to be limits placed and so on. But within that area, I'm certain there's a lot that your reports can do, that your team members know and would love to be able to share, would love to use this for growth. And, you know, honestly, there's a certain amount of status that is attributed to empowerment as well. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It comes across with a little bit of a negative connotation. But what I'm talking about is if you empower your team members to make decisions or to act in the way that they think best, they're going to feel pretty great about their status within your team. You know, they're going to feel pretty solid. That's a huge engaging factor. Now, what if you empower them to make some decisions and they're the wrong decisions? 
And now you're into a difficult conversation here, but that just loops back to what we said before. If you've got the kind of relationship with them where you've got open dialogue, where you're communicating, you know, they're going to want that feedback. So remember that this isn't about taking away power from them. This is about having the conversation saying, okay, it's not quite working this way. Let's, let's get it to where it needs to be. Supporting them, you know, putting them in that different direction and then allowing them to go with that again. That's, that's very valuable. I mean, I think what you really, what I'm taking away from this conversation, this idea of leading with respect is really kind of an inversion of how you think about the manager-employee relationship. Instead of thinking of it as your employees are there to work for you and you don't have time to do anything but drive their performance, the best uh, employees actually get from their managers an investment of their time and energy so that they have empathy, they feel empathy, they feel that they're supported, they feel that they're empowered. Um, and, and And the remarkable thing is, it's just humanity, you know, it's a human relationship and probably something within all of us to create. I, I oh, Bart, that's so beautifully said. It is a human relationship. And so often people in leadership positions are really reluctant to give up the power, you know, or to allow others, they, they're tight fisted with control. But that tends to work negatively for them, whereas if they were to release it a little bit and allow their people to shine, they would have such so much better results. Again, this isn't about letting people run amok and do whatever they want to do. This is about appreciating what they can do, you know, challenging them to do their best and celebrating with them when they do it. And if you know, again, correcting them when they need correction, but supporting them and being there with them, respecting the fact that they want to be great and celebrating that you want, you know, you want them to be Mm -hmm. great too. I love it. So for those who have also loved what they've heard today and they want to learn more because, you know, we didn't go through all of respect and uh, tell us uh, how they can connect with you, where they can get your book, uh, what they should do next. Well, you can certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, my name is Laura Sikorikoff, and I can make sure that you have the link for that, Bart, so uh, you can share it with your listeners. And I'll also share the link to the book. Um, It's available on Amazon and on Chapters. So I will forward those links to you as well. And certainly, please feel free to check out my LinkedIn page or check out my website at www.cchangelearning.com. That's letter C and seechangelearning.com. And thanks so much. I can see it is, you are making an impact. We'll put all of that, all of those links in the show notes. And thank you very much for coming on. I mean, I think, you know, I, I personally am always growing. When I was in my 20s, I remember thinking, oh, yeah, I've got management figured out. You know, as long as I got this. And yeah, every year I learned how little I know uh, and appreciate the opportunity to learn from people who, who have studied this. And, uh, Everything is clear. Nothing is easy, <laughs> but it's, it's all doable. So thanks, Laura, for, for your work and for coming on the Inspire Podcast. Bart, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. I hope you enjoyed my uh, conversation with Laura today. Uh, I just think it's such a fascinating topic when you can have insights into what 
employees really want from their managers. And you know, what I take away is that employees want connection. They want you to care, not as their friend, but as someone who just is helping them and creating success for them. So really valuable. uh, And I encourage you to get Laura's book. We will put a link to it in the show notes. Next time on the podcast, I have a really neat guest, uh, entrepreneur named Michael Mara. Michael is someone who has uh, launched a new platform called Entra, kind of uh, a social network for entrepreneurs. And uh, we talk a bit about that, but what we really talk about is how, you know, in this digital world where you may be looking for a job, you may be improving your digital presence, you may be launching a business, there are new imperatives for how you communicate uh, on social, on all the platforms that we have. And so I asked Michael, who's a real digital native, what those are. So hope you tune in next time for my conversation with Michael Mara. Thank you.